Hello, friends. Welcome to Heidi's Colorful Colorado. I'm your host, Heidi Ganahl, a wife, mama for CU region, and the founder of Camp Bow Wow and the She Factor. With a passion for keeping the spirit of our state alive and well, I started this podcast to bring the people of Colorado together to celebrate the amazing state we call home. Come along on this journey with me as I travel across our old country roads in my vintage RV, interviewing folks that embody the true spirit of the Rocky Mountains. From the Front Range to the Mile High City to the Wild West of Southern Colorado, we'll celebrate the history, beauty, and Coloradans that make this place the colorful state it is. Each week, you'll meet people trailblazing the way for an even more colorful future for us all, making a huge difference along the way. Are you ready for a Rocky Mountain ride? Let's do this, Colorado. I have a wonderful guest for us to talk with today, Gerardo Munoz. Gerardo, you have one of the hardest jobs that exists. You're a teacher. And I think a lot of us discovered that over the past year and a half, us parents who had to homeschool our kids. We have a great appreciation for all of you now. In fact, we're not worthy. But you are even <laughs> more of a rock star because you won the 2021 Colorado Teacher of the Year Award. That is fantastic. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your journey. But thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, uh, Heidi. This is this is um, a super fun opportunity for me, and um, it, it's just great to come here and represent my state and represent the communities that I and the other uh, thirty nine thousand teachers in the state of Colorado um, serve. So I guess a little bit about myself. Um, I was born and raised in uh, in Denver, Colorado, um, in in the East Side. Uh, born at St. Joseph's Hospital in 1976. My dad uh, immigrated here from Mexico in the early 1970s. My mom uh, has been my mom's family's been here for multiple generations uh, from the San Luis Valley. So I've got a lot of um, got a lot of roots here in um, in Colorado. Uh, attended Denver Public Schools the, from ECE to graduation. Went to Mitchell Elementary, Steck Elementary, Cole Middle School, and uh, the Manual High School. If there are any um, Manual Thunderbolts out there, I uh, would love to hear that. And then went to the University of Colorado where I majored in history and Latin American studies. Actually came into teaching kind of by accident. Um, was a long-term sub in an alternative program and just fell in love with the work, fell in love with the communities, um, love being around young people every day and the things that they can teach me. Um, and it's year 22 now, and it's been a really hard year, but uh, my students sustain me. Um, that their their families or communities sustain me and i i just love the work never had a bad year even this one <laughs> <laughs> well you know i i spend a lot of time with young people as a regent at the university of colorado and one of the things i tell them is you will always be successful if you find your passion and what you love to do what you love like jump out of bed and do every day and it sounds like you found that um how do you do. teach your kids the students that you teach how to find their passion and how to find their their path or their journey. Oh, I love that question. Um because I don't I don't think I do. I think what I try to have my students understand is that they're exactly the people they're supposed to be. 
Um, they be funny. They might be quiet and studious. They um, they might be really, really energetic or really, really uh, given a sense of justice. And so my job is to help them become the best versions of themselves. And usually that comes down to building self-confidence and developing good skills that are going to help you meet your goals. Um, I, I also think that when a student comes to me and I teach middle and high school, when a student comes to me with an idea, um, I treat that idea as a serious idea. These students are working really hard to process and to figure out who they are. And so I do my best to treat their ideas seriously and listen to them and ask them questions and support them. Um, I just had a conversation with a former student of mine who's at Yale and uh, talking with her was just amazing because it just reminded me of everything I learned from her and what a powerful experience that's been. And so I think I think my students see me as somebody who respects them and who cares about them as human beings. And um, and a lot of it is just giving them that sense of respect and freedom where they feel like they can be themselves. And when young people feel that they can be themselves, they build confidence and they trust their passions more than they otherwise would. So what advice do you have for parents? Because we're having a tough time right now. And we're, we're, I, most of the yeah. parents I know are really challenged how do we support our kids, whether they're in third grade, fifth grade, or I have a 25 year old too, I have a wide range. So how, how do you suggest we support our kids, but also our teachers, the teachers that are helping us navigate this too? Yeah, um, I, I would suggest that maybe the 25 year old probably needs more support than uh, anyone else right now, <laughs> trying to be an adult right now and, um, and starting off your life, um, you know, is very tough. No, uh, you know, I, I'm also a parent. I have a, I have a 16 year old daughter um, who has been weathering this situation for a really long time. And, you know, sometimes I don't have anything really smart to say to her about her frustrations, whether it's just staring at a screen all day. Um, you know, a lot of our young people, particularly middle and high school, are basically getting all the things they don't like about school and getting none of the things that they do like about school. So, you know, the classwork, you know, the, that's not what inspires a kid to be in school. It's the activities, it's the peers, it's that kind of thing. And so I think for parents, I think um, one of the really important things that we can do, because I consider I'm a parent also, is um, we don't have to have all the answers and we can't have all the answers. There there haven't been generations, at least 100 years that have gone through a pandemic that brought everything to a standstill. And so I think that part of it is to just be open and honest with your students that this is really hard and they don't teach us how to go through this. Um, and so we've just got to try to figure it out together. Um, the other thing too is um, young people might just need a little bit more patience these days because it is really draining. Even if it seems like all they're doing is, is uh, being on their computer and doing assignments, it is really isolating and it is really hard. The cognitive um, sort of exhaustion that comes from, from staring at a screen all day is really hard. And there are just days that I will say to my daughter, you know what? let's put everything aside. Let's do something fun. Let's get outside for a little bit. Let's have a conversation. Let's go to Starbucks, like whatever. And, um, 
you know, just kind of validate what she's feeling and to let her know that, you know, we have a vaccine. Um, I've received both of my vaccine shots, which makes me really happy. I'll be able to see my parents. Uh, she'll be able to see her grandparents. And that's a really, really wonderful thing. There's a light at the end of the tunnel and uh, we're going to get there. It's just, it's not going to be easy. And um, we just got to keep holding on to each other. And I think that's in just validating what we're kind of going through um, all of us. You know, I'd love to hear more about your childhood and, and your favorite teacher. Like, was there a teacher that inspired you or that really brought the best out in you? Yeah, so I was not the best behaved student. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I, I was uh, I was a little boy that really liked having attention and it had a whole lot of energy. In fact, my, my parents put me in soccer because a teacher was kind of like, this kid has way too much energy. Uh, have him play soccer. I know they run a lot there, you know, and, and that's what <laughs> I kind of ended up doing. Um, but I would say so as a as a middle school student um especially i think it became it got socially hard i was a um i was a kid who didn't have a lot of confidence i tried to get attention in any way that i could um i had a really bad stutter and it was it was paralyzing. I would have trouble uh, answering questions. I dreaded reading aloud. I dreaded any situation where I'd have to speak in front of people. It just made me really nervous and and fed my anxiety. Um, but I got to shout out Miss Fuller, uh, my seventh grade drama teacher. Uh, on the first day of um, of second semester in January, she said, February's Black History Month. We're all going to memorize uh, Langston Hughes's dreams and you're going to perform it in front of the entire school at an assembly. And I said, oh no, oh no, I'm not doing that. And I think I contrived to get myself thrown out of class for three days in a row. And um, and she kind of was very patient with me. And she's like, I know you're scared. It's gonna do great. You're, this is gonna help you with all of those issues that you're having. I'm like, what you know about my issues? I was really defensive. And um, I memorized the poem, uh, we performed it. And I realized the power of a person who believes in you and who, who believes in um, in the educational process as a way to free somebody. And it's been over 30 years and I still have the poem memorized. Um, so I would definitely say Miss Fuller. Uh, I would definitely say Miss Martin, who got me on stage. I did high school theater um, throughout you know, my time at Manual High School um, and then countless professors whose passion just... Um, overflowed in the in the classes I took at CU. All right, so do you do any theater as a grown-up? Have you done any acting? I mean, one one could argue that teaching every day is performance art. <laughs> there are days that I come in and I'm exhausted. There are days that I come in and I'm not in the best mood. There are days that I, but I know I got to bring the energy. I know I got to be in the moment with my students. And um, I know that they feed off of my energy. If I bring negative energy, then they're going to give me negative energy. And so, so I would say that a lot of uh, my performance is on a daily basis um, and it just kind of, trying to find a way to communicate with every person um, in my classroom. But now I haven't really acted, but every time I, um, every time I go to a play, uh, every time I, you know, see productions that are, we have a, we have a drama club at our school. Uh, I go to those shows and, and I just remember how good it felt to be on stage and really that, um, you know, sports and theater 
really helped me to address um, just problems that I would have to face in life and, you know, making something happen, uh, you know, so I would say that it's just something I use every day. That's wonderful. And I can imagine that's part of why you're such a successful teacher. Maybe your theater background helped with that. Um, I saw that you are working on a TED Talk and also a book. And um, I did a TED Talk a few years ago, TEDx Mile High. And I tell people, and I do a lot of speaking and stuff. It was one of the most frightening experiences of my life, only because you have 13 minutes, you can't go over, and they put you out in front of, you know, three or 4,000 people and um, you get one yeah. shot. So I go the night before I'm supposed to rehearse when I'm rehearsing and the producer's sitting way up in Ellie Calkins and he's like, all right, Heidi, go ahead and practice. And I had been rehearsing for weeks and I get up there and I totally froze. I couldn't remember a word of what I was supposed to say. And he's kind of like, are you sure this is what you want to do tomorrow? And I'm like, yes, yes, I can do this. I can do this. But I don't know what it is about the TEDx model. And I don't mean to scare you because I think, uh, oops. You're, you're going to do fantastic, but um, it's a different gig. And, but man, once you get it done, it's like you're part of the TED community and it's just um, amazing to see your YouTube video, like the numbers go up and, and share your idea with the world. So what big idea are you sharing on the TEDx stage? Well, still working on that. I'm in that um, idea development. It'll be for the, it'll be uh, TED Ed. Um, and so it'll be a, um, a TED talk that I'm doing for the Colorado Council for Social Studies. Um, so it'll be something along the lines of the importance of storytelling in history. And um, so it'll be around um, it'll be around my work as a history teacher and ways that we can kind of bring history to life. So haven't identified that through line yet. Um, I think that's the next lesson. Um, but I'm super excited because I'll be doing that and then I'll be leading a cohort after that. So that is going to be really exciting. Um, but, you know, I, I love the TED model. Uh, I love to talk. Um, you know, I, you know, I think that's probably obvious by now. Um, but I, uh, I, I love the model that they have where they have you brainstorm ideas and treat your ideas as if they're serious, real ideas, not just goofy brainstorms that you had um, and to really develop those ideas. And so really what's been powerful for me about the TED process is um, the type of reflection that it requires um, and just kind of the accountability of being in front of a big audience. So I'm, I'm super psyched. Um, I can't wait. I'm gonna have to find your Ted talk now. So, uh, so I no, can no, kind of no, see it's how okay. it's done. <laughs> Hopefully it's buried on the internet somewhere right now, but <laughs> one of the, um, the themes of the theme of my Ted talk is the art of the comeback. And, and it was from, uh, my experience in my pediatrician's office telling me that, you know, to, help kids that are really struggling, turn them outward and have them focus on the, a bigger world. And um, I wonder how you instill that in the, the, the students that you teach, like what their role is in society, especially right now, it's just a really tough time. There's so many um, just really important issues that we're trying to tackle. Um, how do you navigate that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I, I saw an insight and I, I actually don't know if it's mathematically or statistically accurate, but um, that sort of argues that 80% of what we're going to be doing in 10 years doesn't exist yet. And when I share that with students, um, it scares them because I think they would like to just have a 
pre-decided this is where you're going and this is how you get there um but i think now more than ever our world needs creative folks our world needs folks who are willing to take different approaches to address uh the challenges that we have but also the opportunities that we have and you know in short i think that i think that um my classroom is designed for what i call the practice of freedom um which is they will be free people in in short order um if they're seventh graders five years they will be legally free to do whatever they want they'll be able to stay out late they'll be able to go wherever they want to um if they don't live with their parents they won't have a curfew you know those kinds of things but i think that knowing that the students that i work with will be free people we practice what we do with that freedom how does a free person express their mind how does a free person um, develop a passion it's not enough to just have something that you like to do um, and something that you think you would like to accomplish it's about aligning your behaviors to meet that so if i have a student who wants to play professional soccer for example i spent 10 years as a soccer coach at, at my school um, they they have to do the things that will that are required for them to get to that next level and so i really think there's a lot of that i, I think that you know there was a time when we laughed about uh kids wanting to be youtubers and it's like oh why would you want to be a youtuber that's not a real job well a lot of them are making real money and <laughs> you know um and so i think a lot of it is having the conversation with young people and letting them know if you want to do this thing it's going to take some things some commitment on your part um, but don't ever be boxed in by what um, you think is in front of you or what you think are your only opportunities. Um, because frankly, we are just, you know, especially coming out of this COVID-19 situation, we're, we're just going to need people with imagination who can try new things because there's a lot of things we've been trying as a society that just aren't working and uh, and we need people to bring a fresh perspective. So so I try to give them practice with those fresh perspectives in my classroom every day, uh, whether it's discussing history, whether it's debating who should win between King Kong and Godzilla. Uh, this is what my seventh graders were really, really into the other day. Whatever it is, you know, let's do what free people do. And um, if you make a mistake right now, it's not as costly as if you make a mistake as an adult. Like now you you do something the wrong way, you do an experiment that doesn't work out, it's fine. You learn from it and you kind of move on. And I just want them to develop that mindset. I'm so happy to hear that. That's uh, that's something I don't hear um, the news, entertainment, a lot of folks talk about is teaching kids how to be brave and fearless yeah. and find their voice yeah. and be confident. And it's why I started a company with my older daughter called She Factor. And it's really about mm. providing young women like the tools and, and skills to be confident and to not be afraid to yeah. fail because you and I both know it takes a lot of, you know, risk and, and fit, like you have to go out and fail in order to find, you know, your success Period. and your true happiness. And I think, um, yeah, I just 100%. noticed that young people walked around a lot of times like deer in headlights, like, Oh my gosh, what do I do? And I think yeah. it's an amazing time to be alive, right? There's so many different options. It's yeah. almost paralyzing, but, um, yeah, that's a really absolutely. interesting conversation. I want to ask you something related to that, and then I want to shift over to, to, to our great state that we live in and ask you a couple of questions there. But right. how does history tie to teaching kids how to be in the workforce of the future? Because I, I think it's so important that our students understand our history. Yeah. Well, I think that probably the most um, valuable 
learning that I've had as a history educator over these um, almost 22 years that I've been teaching is that history is about perspectives. History is about understanding how people felt, what they were saying to each other during a given moment. How did they make sense of their surroundings? And, you know, how are others feeling at that same time? So I think history gives us the practice of understanding perspectives. And I think that in a, um, in an economy and in a in a working world that is increasingly pushing people to collaborate and work in teams together you know we see this all the time uh when they ask fortune 500 ceos what is the skill that you most valuable value um when you're looking at a hire they'll frequently say we need people who can work in teams and in order to work in teams you have to understand people's perspectives and um i would say that I don't have the same opinions as every teacher that I work with, but at the end of the day, we have to be able to work through our differences, respect the fact that we all developed our opinions and our, and our ideas um, through real lived experiences and understand where a person's coming from. And I think history really does give you that ability to understand where someone was coming from. You know, if we look at, um, if we, if we look at the greats, right, some of the legendary historical figures, they didn't wake up one morning and say, Oh, it's uh, nine o'clock. This is when I'm supposed to become Alexander the great and conquer the known world. Um, these were human beings with human insecurities and with human pain and human emotion that were doing what they could to address the situation around them. And the same thing can be said uh, for some of history's villains. History's villains didn't necessarily go into uh, their lives saying, I'm going to be the worst villain ever in the history of the world. Um, they had circumstances put in front of them and they responded to those circumstances in a way that made perfect sense to them. And I think that's the power of studying history is understanding that 100% of what a person does and says makes perfect sense to that person. So how do we develop empathy and how do we understand how maybe to avoid certain paths? Um, you know, and, and it's a lot of arguing and debating and that's really fun because the more you study history, the less you realize that there are answers. Um, you know, everybody lives their personal history and everybody lives in a moment. Um, I did a project, uh, I do a women in history tournament of champions, um, in the spirit of March madness, uh, with my students. And so they pick a woman from history and enter her into a 64 individual tournament. And, you know, it's just voting that, um, that kind of gets them through. And, um, one young woman in my class asked me, does it have to be somebody famous? And I said, who are you thinking? And she said, I was thinking about putting my grandmother in this tournament. And I was like, absolutely. Because the only thing that your grandmother doesn't have that Helen of Troy has is someone to tell her story. And you get to tell that story and it's great. So, um, so I think there is a lot of that is just recognizing that people live incredible lives and history gives us an opportunity to understand them and by extension, understand our own humanity. And that's, I think, what is needed going forward. We need people who are willing to understand um, each other's humanity. Oh my gosh, Gerardo, now I know why you won Colorado Teacher of the Year. <laughs> that was so beautifully said. And it's a Thank message everybody needs to hear right now. And, you know, yeah. our state is definitely going through a tough time like the rest of our country. But um, specifically, yeah. when people talk to you about the essence of Colorado, or if you had to describe to a student that just moved here from, I don't know, Illinois yeah. or, or Florida or Texas, how would you 
How would you talk to them about Colorado or what the gifts of Colorado are? Well, well I would say they made the right move, uh, first of all. <laughs> um, so I think um, uh, the first thing I would probably say to a student is uh, make sure you hydrate. It's really dry up here and uh, <laughs> you make sure you drink enough water. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think Colorado, um, it, like a lot of other states that are not on the coast, uh, Colorado is far more complex and far more interesting than people realize. And um, that we have got little pockets of incredible history and culture, you know, and, uh, you know, a state that has so much to offer, you know, the culture you experience where I live in the city of Denver is going to be really different from the culture you experience on the Eastern Plains, which will be really different from the experience the, uh, of culture that you have on the Western Slope in different areas, the mountain towns versus kind of the bigger cities. And, and I would just say, drink it all up because um, whatever you think Colorado is, it is more and there's more variety and more depth. One of my favorite things to talk to my students about is um, I grew up in the Five Points area um, down in East Denver. And one of my favorite things um, that I was able to do in graduate school was dive into the archives of um, the Blair Caldwell African American History Museum. And um, I wrote a paper on Rachel B. Knoll, who is this incredible innovator and civil rights leader in Denver schools. And I was able to talk to my students about Rachel B. Knoll and they were like, why don't we study her like in our history classes? And I'm saying, because because people think Colorado's not that big of a deal, but there's this amazing history. Uh, during the 20s and 30s, um, there was a vibrant jazz scene. Duke Ellington, Fletcher Henderson, Count Basie all played um, at the casino um, in the same week. And these are things that you just don't imagine are happening in uh, Denver. So I would say that Colorado just has an incredible uh, rich history. It, the mountains are beautiful. You can, if you drive for less than an hour, you're in the mountains and you get away from all the madness. Um, and I would just say that Colorado people are probably not what you think they are. Um, you probably have a stereotype. You probably think we're all cowboys. We have cowboys and I got friends who are cowboys, uh, but there's more to us. We are just as interesting and diverse and, um, and just deep as people in, in any other place. So my last question for you is what's the most Colorado thing you've ever done? Man. Um, well, I've been here for 45 years. Um, so my, my, uh, experience is by no means representative. <laughs> um, so the short answer to that is that, um, in the blizzard of 82, um, we skied from my house in five points to my grandmother's house in Park Hill, like cross country ski. Oh and I feel like that was just a really Colorado thing to do, but that kind of relates to a much deeper, um, spiritual experience that I've had, um, as a kid who was fortunate enough to grow up in Denver, Colorado. Now, like a lot of high school kids, I wanted to get out of here. I wanted to go somewhere cool. I applied to school in Chicago and New York and Miami and LA. None of those worked out. And I think that was, um, I think there, I think that was, there was purpose to that. Um, every single Sunday, my family would go to my grandmother's cabin. Um, and my grandparents owned a cabin in East Portal, um, which is on the east side of the Moffat Tunnel, um, right on the other side of Winter Park. We would drive up there every Sunday. And, um, and I used to tell my friends, because they're like, oh, you don't go to church on Sunday? I was like, no, nah, we don't go to church. We don't go to church. We don't go to church. And then I realized that I think the mountains were church for my grandmother and my mother. And um, a lot of kids from my neighborhood never had the opportunity to travel to the mountains, you know, less than an hour away. 
Um, and so I think being in the mountains every Sunday, um, kind of secluded, kind of away from every everything, walking up the first crossing, the second crossing, maybe getting to the third crossing, maybe going all the way up to Crater Lake if uh, we were ambitious and early enough, and then coming back through Central City and getting hot chocolate before we came home. Um, I feel like when I, when I reflect on my life as a, as a resident, um, as a proud resident of the state of Colorado, uh, that's what I always think of is all those times that I spend in the mountains uh, with my family. So that, that's what it is. It's about the mountains and it's about the snow. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I, I'm not a snow person, but we moved to Monument, Colorado from Southern California. And I don't think you could pick okay. a snowier place on, on the front range. <laughs> so I got used to missing a lot of concerts because of blizzards on I-25 and and yep. uh, I learned how to uh, ride a snowmobile because we couldn't get the car out for a week, but it was great. It was fun. Well, Ricardo, thank Absolutely. you so much for joining me today. I've We've got to learn a little bit about you and, and why you're such an amazing teacher. It came shining through. And I, I think the rest of Colorado will join me in saying how grateful we are to have you here and teaching our kids and uh, keep up the great work. And of course, we as parents will do all we can to support you, but you know, we're kind of a hot mess right now with COVID. So you guys are probably going to have to steer us straight. <laughs> hey, the, be the best thing that we can all do is stick together. Um, it's going to take our communities working together and supporting and encouraging each other. And it's really an honor. I really had a lot of fun talking to you today and um, looking forward to getting to know um, teachers and students and communities across Colorado this year. Thank you for joining us today on Heidi's Colorful Colorado. If you enjoyed this conversation, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And definitely follow me on Instagram to keep up with my latest adventures. In the meantime, happy trails from me, Heidi Ganahl.